That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and or playing recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. This week, we are talking about voyeuristic eroticism, my favorite phrase, (laughs) happy mustachioed men, psychic acrobats, another incredible phrase, and possibly the best 90s creature feature. Yeah, we are. Okay, I... Fuck pleasantries. What is this voyeuristic, voyeuristic eroticism? I need to know immediately. <laughs> okay, so uh, I got to watch this movie that's hitting um, Amazon uh, the day of this episode releasing. Um, it is called The Voyeurs. Oh. And it, it, it yeah, I mean, kind of on the nose title, but um, <laughs> it brings me to mind like some of the erotic thrillers that I would watch in like the 90s. Mm, okay. Um, and so this one is kind of, it takes like the premise of maybe like a rear window or Disturbia and adds like a veneer of oh. sexuality to it where this couple, Pippa and Thomas, and Pippa is played by Sydney Sweeney, who has like grabbed attention in the white lotus recently have you watched, you okay. watched the white lotus no i know of it but i haven't watched it no so she was in that and her and her boyfriend thomas who's played by justice smith who was in generation on hbo max um recently they have bought this new fangled high-rise apartment in montreal and the night the first night that they're there they notice that they have like huge like windows and the apartment across the way um, also has huge windows and don't believe in curtains. And this man and his, uh, well, you discover her to be his, his wife, um, start like fucking and they start watching and they're like kind of into it, but like, Ooh, should we be doing this? And they're like, Oh, but they, I think they, they obviously want people to watch. And so they start to watch them and then they get kind of enthralled in their life as, as they start to 
see what is happening in that apartment where the man is a fashion photographer who frequently photographs nude models. And one time when his wife is out and he is photography, he is photo- photographing, photography. <laughs> he's photographing. I was like, yeah, this- huh? <laughs> <laughs> he's photographing this model and he's like trying to coax her into getting into getting nude. He strips off his shirt and of course he is ripped fine. to the tens. Like yeah, just he's like fine. he's nothing but abs and pecs. Like that is literally all he is. Um he so he strips off and he's like, Yeah, see, you know, I'm comfortable and she does too. And then before you know it, they're making out and then he is going down on her. And Good for him. uh they they start to fuck, but this is a mo- this is a model and not his wife. And then his mm. wife comes home later, and so wait, they're watching this from the window. Yeah. Oh. oh. Yeah. To the point where they get binoculars, and then they discover that they can like somehow. I don't know if this really works, but they're able to somehow take a laser pointer and they sneak a mirror in over at their house. It, it's so convoluted, and they start listening to him. Um, so that they just like get Ooh. so super involved. In this couple that are living across the hall, and then they find out that this man is obviously cheating on his wife and is gaslighting her into saying, no, I'm not doing that because she thinks that he's cheating on her. And he's like, no, baby, I'm not doing that. Why would you think that? So he's basically gaslighting her. And so Pippa decides that she needs to get involved. Oh, never do that. Why would you do that? Yeah. And then it goes from there. Uh, so this this movie, it's first of all, it's two hours long. Listeners, if you saw my tweet about screener That's- two hours, that is this movie. Um, I don't think it necessarily earns <laughs> the two hour uh, runtime. And I think it's a little confused in terms of like sometimes it feels very melodramatic. Like there's some parts of it that I'm just like, OK, this is a little uh, over the top. And some parts of it like verges into camp at some points. But then there's some really interesting twists in it. And it's kind of a mess of a movie, but I also kind of was enthralled the entire way through. So I I kind of recommend it. It's on, it'll be, as of today, when this episode drops, it's on Prime Video. So you can go watch it. I just, I'm happy that the erotic thrillers are coming back. I I kind of have missed them. I feel like cinema today seems really sexless in a lot of ways. Yeah, there's been a lot of, like, discourse on twitter about this too but it's true Uh, there is like a lot less sex than in 90s erotic thrillers which was like so steamy so good and Mm -hmm. now it's there is a like a lot less sex but like you know there it's there's a difference between what i'm saying like what we're saying too like sex and sex scenes Mm -hmm. like i want a movie that makes me like (gasps) like you feel almost inappropriate watching it but it's like a Mm -hmm. good time so I would like that to come back because I feel like we're all just like really repressed and horny after the past like year and a half. So I think it's time. Seriously, I think we're ready for a renaissance of the erotic thriller. I mean, we're in this point of cinema where it's like uh, I, I, the comic books were, were saying that like Batman can't go down on someone because that would be something that a villain would do. Like this is the kind of point that we seem to be at in in cinema. And it just you have all these comic books movies where there's incredibly attractive people and you know, they have to be fucking, but we can't ever talk about that because we have to be, you know, Oh, that's, that's shameful. Superheroes don't do that kind of thing. Like that's the kind of cinema that I feel like has been kind of permeating the culture right now. And it, so the fact that this isn't a hundred percent successful and I don't think it's as steamy as a lot of the erotic thrillers that I've, that I've seen in my heyday, but it's a step in the right direction. And 
I'm here for the way that it kind of plays with this idea of the outward facing, you know, characters that we see vice what is actually really happening. So I, there's, there's stuff here and Hey, erotic thrillers, bring them back, please. Please. Thank you. Please. And thank you. So I want to be scared and horny. God damn it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm saying it. I want to be scared and horny at the same time. That's all I want. (laughs) That's all I want. All I want. Ah. <laughs> um, I gotta ask though, happy mustached men. So this this does not have me either horny or scared. So <laughs> I was like, are we? This um... is not that. Um, I started watching Ted Lasso. Oh yeah, which is like the opposite of horror. I know, but I have you know, it's new job, like a lot of stuff just going on. And so I was mm-hmm. like, I need to watch something that's got like positive energy. And I decided, Steve and I decided to watch Ted Lasso. Give it a try. And it is the best thing. Mm-hmm. It is. Have you watched it? I've You've seen watched... like the first five episodes of season okay. one. We watched um, season one in a day. Wow. So it's only 30 minute episodes. It's yeah, only 10 they're, episodes. They're quick. they're quick. But it is the positivity that i've needed and not in terms of like leslie nope positive but there's like a Mm. realism realism to the positivity and it's much more grounded than like i'm leslie nope waffles breakfast like i (laughs) i respect her and i love her but this is not so optimistic it's got Mm -hmm. there's a lot of really positive happy things in a way that makes it feel like an actual like actual people rather than characters. Right. Um, it, so what's it about for those that don't know? Yeah. So Ted Lasso is, um, it's streaming on Apple TV. It's about uh, a man named Ted Lasso played by the wonderful Jason Sudeikis who mm. moves to, I know Jesus moves to England to coach a soccer team. Um, and he's never coached soccer in his life. He has <laughs> only coached like division two college football. But his reputation is that everyone loves him. Like he is a sweet person and everyone like falls in love with him. He's brought over by the, the club's owner, the soccer club's owner, football club, ooh, soccer, whatever, football club's owner who is going through a shitty divorce and she wants to tank the club and she mm. thinks he'll tank the club. But she did not know how, how kind and sweet that this sweet boy is. And it's all about him, like, bringing the team back together and helping all of these kind of broken people not necessarily get all the way better, but, like, start finding their, like, their family and kind of, like, heal in their own way. And it's just so good. It's really wholesome. It's very wholesome. And it's, like, I watch so much scary shit all the time and I love it, but it's sometimes nice just to watch, like, a wholesome show Mm -hmm. and just, like, cry because things are happy. Right. I think those things are cute. So that's what I have been watching on top of the <laughs> anime that I talked about last week, Jujutsu Kaisen. <laughs> Just more of that anime. So you, have you, you finished season one. Have you started two? Yeah, I, we watched the first episode of two. And so we are slowly catching up. I think we needed a break for a couple days. But this weekend we'll probably... <laughs> dive right back in so that's the thing with steve he can binge things but he's also a little bit more regimented about it like he's like we don't have to watch all of the seasons at once like we'll watch one season and then we'll take a break and i'm like must consume it all all. (laughs) so he helps keep me a little bit more balanced in terms of like not devouring every piece of content of a show i like balance each other out (laughs) it's perfect 
So I highly recommend that if you have Apple TV. And also Servant's on there. We've Terry's been preaching the good word about Servant. Mythic okay. Quest, I heard, is really good, too. Mythic Quest is fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, I've been meaning to talk about it, and I just I haven't. But, like, there is two episodes of that that I think are... Well, one episode in particular, I think, is the best episode of television I've ever seen. I've heard... And okay, you saw that. I, a couple people have said that, or, like, adjacent comments about an episode. And they did this episode in between season one and two that is a quarantine episode, and it's all over, like, Zoom. And I was wanted to bring this up for you in particular because it definitely has a Second Life vibe to it. And it made me bawl my eyes out because it was, like, relatable content AF. And this it's, it's such a good show. So, yeah, Apple TV, I'm telling you, between Servant, Mythic Quest, Ted Lasso, Foundation is starting in a few weeks. And I, from everything I've heard, that's going to be really good. And then they have this... Uh, sci-fi i forget what it's called but the sci-fi like end of the world alien invasion film coming out or series coming out in october so like i honestly at this point and if you have a playstation 5 you can get six months free yep so not that this is an ad like i wish we were getting money off of this but like (laughs) i know seriously fucking like between you talking about servant and now me with ted lasso it's like sponsor us we'll hawk your content seriously keep making good content except for that show about with um jason momoa and david batista in the world where everyone's oh, blind <laughs> that one it's okay we you have to strike out sometimes you can't always make great stuff sometimes you make a dud and that's okay <laughs> but you know i love i love when when content providers like this and like hbo max are at the beginning of their kind of establishment where they're taking risks on things and because they don't have a whole breadth of content like netflix is they're not as like instant cancelization like they're allowing things to like grow and breathe so it's like yeah. the fact that a show like servant can exist and can get you know all of a sudden the rep are going to be up to three seasons before we know it like the fact that we're not canceling this kind of stuff i love that that we're at that moment with apple tv where they're just letting weird things happen and see where it goes sometimes big corporations with lots of money do good things <laughs> doesn't make them they... good but sometimes they'll do okay things <laughs> And then they turn into Netflix where it's like, you're lucky if you survive three seasons at some point. I, and like the, with that, Apple TV and HBO Max, I'm hoping because they have like they already have existing properties. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Apple already has like a whole other company behind it. HBO Max already has a backlog of things mm-hmm. on top of originals. So it kind of is they have like a fallback, which is kind of cool, too. And it gives them that space. Why are we talking about street? <laughs> <laughs> Why does that come up? Anyway, uh, psychic acrobats. <laughs> let's pivot. Let's pivot. Uh, let's, so, let's do a little flippy flip in the air, like a psychic acrobat, and mm-hmm. yeah, and, and let's right into break movie. into people's minds and help <gasps> them. Uh, so back in 2005, this little game released by Double Fine Productions came out. Psychonauts. Have you played <gasps> Psychonauts? Steve is playing Psychonauts too right now, and I've been watching him play it. I am playing Psychonauts too, and let me tell you, Psychonauts, I apparently was one of the only people that played the original Psychonauts because it only sold a thousand one a hundred thousand copies in the first year. Really? And it was a while it was a critical success, it was an absolute failure and almost like destroyed the company. But it was a game that I absolutely fell in love with, and I have been wanting since that game came out for the sequel. Because it ended with not a cliffhanger, but an introduction to a bigger world. And boy, 
I have been playing Psychonauts 2, and I am in love, Mary Beth. It's, I haven't been playing it. Steve has, but I've been watching him play. Because he's like, you'd love this, and I'm obsessed. Like, it's amazing. Everything about... I'll let you talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) So Psychonauts is about this kid named Raz who was part of an acrobatic family in a circus. His name was Rasputin. We have to. His name is Rasputin. That's a very important (laughs) detail because Steve told me what his name was. And I was like, I love him already. So. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Rasputin was a member of a circus with his family and his family had been cursed by psychics. And so they hate psychics. And then Raz discovers that he is a psychic. So he's had to keep it secret hello queer narrative right there and he runs away from his family to go become a member of the psychonauts which is this international group of people that go out there and go into people's minds and fix fix things and you know do all that kind of psychic type stuff so the first game he's at camp and he's learning to be a psychonaut and by the second game he is now an intern working for the psychonauts and boy i don't know how far um, you and Steve are in this. I'm about like five ish hours into it, five or six. I'm trying he's to take fin- it slow. He, he finished it. He's been playing it Did for he? a couple, like a week, I think. I've been trying to take it slow because I want to savor it. I know, I think I've heard that's about like 20 hours. So I'm, yeah, I'm like, that's about right. Really excited. There's still a lot of game left. But I'm telling you, some of the, the levels in this are just. I mm. cried a little bit because <laughs> a lot of it's about psychological trauma and like, mm-hmm. and it's like, a beautifully, like, beautifully animated game. Like, so detailed. It, like, reminds me of Coraline a little bit, like, in terms of, like, mm, the mm-hmm. intricacy and, like, the style. And, but it's, like, this really kind of silly, carnivalesque aesthetic, but with, like, really good story and really good writing. And it's, like, really emotionally intense. I'm telling you, I love Tim Schafer. He is the the owner of, Psych- of uh, Psychonauts of Double Fine, and he is the writer for, um, I believe most of, if not all their games. And he kind of cut his teeth on, uh, Maniac Mansion two mm. and, um, uh, Grim Fandango and a bunch of oh, like, yeah, those kind yeah, Grim of, Fandango. and so he has like this, this kind of whimsical, but also horrific type stuff. Like there are some things in this game that is like kind of horrific. Like there's a level where you're inside someone's mind and they're like, it's all about teeth. And so everything is teeth. There's teeth coming out of everything. And it's, so there's definitely like some things that kind of push the boundaries a little bit. Like one of the levels that I, I just absolutely was rolling on the floor with um, is a game show for like a food thing. And you have to like go pick up these foods and blend like strawberries <laughs> and everything. And the strawberries are like, yay! yay! They're so excited so, to be. Well, and it's like sheep or like some kind of, is it sheep? There's a pig. Or like they're there's like a, a sheep host. Like, yes! Yes! It's <laughs> and pick the, up the, the egg the... and they're like, like little faces on them and they're like, hooray! And you have to go boil the egg, and these yes. are like you it's know anamorphic food, and it's like I'm here for this. It's so and the fun. Level, the level that I just beat was um, inside some like aging rocker's mind, and it was like psychedelic, and just like it felt like you were on an acid trip from the '60s. Ooh. Did and you I'm do just the like, mailroom yet? Um, no. Okay. Um, I think I'm right there. I think I'm like right at that okay. point. But it's just, it's so good. And I, I think this is probably so far the best game that Double Fine has made. I think from the writing, from the graphics, from the gameplay, I think this is like, I think this is a masterpiece and I cannot wait to continue playing it. I'm just, 
I'm yeah, so I know in love. Steve really loved it. He got frustrated with some of the platforming aspects. Like, oh, it, like, yeah. like, plat- like some of it's like not super intuitive and it's a little bit of a pain, but mm-hmm. he, he loved it. Yeah, I, I, I've been having it and I'm not, I wasn't quite sure because I sometimes have some depth perception in platformers and I didn't know if that was like an issue for me or not. But like I have been having a couple issues with the platforming levels yes. for sure. But it's not as bad as the original one. Like the original mm-hmm. one was a chore to play. <laughs> I mean, that shows you how much I loved it because I finished the game. But it was definitely a chore to play. And this yeah. one is a bit more uh, um, refined, shall we say. Cool. Yeah, it's, I love it. It's amazing. That looks so good. It's just a good. Go play it. Go play it. And kids could probably play it too. Like it's a game yeah. for all ages. So if you have kids or you want to play it with like a younger sibling or something, that's also an option. Yeah, because it's it definitely. Um, I mean, I, th- I it definitely fits that that teen rating. I would say yeah. some of the humor is a little bit um, more mature, but it's not. It's nothing like. I don't think it would Gross. be inappropriate for kids. Might mm-hmm. go over some kids' heads, but that's yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and it's so whimsical. It's so whimsical. I love it. Okay. So, <laughs> what was the aquatic horror movie we watched this week, Mary Beth? We watched. Let me make sure I get the year right, real quick. We watched. Um, never mind. It's not in front of me. We watched um, Deep Rising. From 1998. That's right. From 1998 by Stephen Summer, the guy who directed The Mummy, <laughs> not one year later. Yes. How wild is that? This is such a good... Why, why, justice for Deep Rising. Justice for Deep Rising. Um, but Terry, Did you so, love? What is... Yes. I love this. This is... I'd never seen it before, but Terry, what is it about, real quick, before we jump okay. in? So Deep Rising is about a group of hijackers who are going to board and sink a luxury ocean liner in the South Pacific. And they arrive to discover that there is a tentacled. I mean, it's kind of I guess it's supposed to be a surprise, but it's basically a Kraken has taken up um, its lair inside the ship and has eaten everyone. And they all of a sudden have to deal with this ginormous creature that devours people with its man-eating tentacles. And it is an amazing creature feature. I saw this in theaters in 1998. Amazing. And here's the thing. Me as a 17-year-old, I cannot believe this didn't get a sequel. Me as a 40-year-old, I cannot believe this movie got made. <laughs> Why? And I mean that in the positive way. Why? Because it was someone spent forty-five million dollars in nineteen ninety-eight for this film, which, for inflation, would be a seventy-five million-dollar aquatic horror movie made today, and it only made eleven million dollars. Oh, worldwide. No. And I was like, man, can you imagine someone making an eighty million-dollar aquatic horror movie this year? And I was like, oh wait, they did. It was underwater, and that also crashed and burned at the movie theaters just last year. I don't like that. Put some respect on Aquatic Horror's name, everybody, please. Seriously. Underwater was good. But, okay, Deep Rising Uh is ballsy. Uh. Yeah. (sighs) What were your thoughts? I've been dying to know. So, I... 
the cast of characters <laughs> is incredible. Like usually there's like because there's the group the there's the crew that was like pa- like driving the ship, the hijackers, Femke Jansen who is a convict that is never brought up again. Like she tried to kill her ex, bo- her ex boyfriend. That's brought up one time, and that's why she survives because they locked her in the fridge. Incredible. And she's just sitting there eating food and drinking champagne Incredible, while though. shit is happening. And like, I'm like, queen, queen? Sta- queen status though. And then like the the captain of the ship. Everyone sucks in their own special way and i love them all together like the chemistry between this the group is incredible and it's so fun like the energy is so good mm-hmm. but then like it's horrific like when the <laughs> tentacles barf out people it's they're, they're half digested and there is a set piece that i was like how is this not talked about when they walk into like the layer into the like, yeah. into the and it's just like goopy ass skeletons everywhere screaming i was like i'm shocked <laughs> this is mm-hmm. fucked up this is fucked yeah. up big um, budget horror movie and it does that right like i was like this movie should be talked about more for this moment alone you know what i mean like that's the kind of like big set piece that i feel like people always talk like would always talk about like with a, with a horror movie like especially an aquatic horror movie yeah. like this Love love that it's a kraken. <laughs> love that its tentacles have its own little mouth at the end that like fucked up <laughs> yeah. sea stars, and yes. that they just like barf out people from their tentacles or its as tentacles you do. as you do. The cast is very good. So uh, diverse cast, uh, right? West Studies in it. <laughs> like what? He's in it. Um, but also treat Williams as. John Finnegan, like the 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 captain of the other ship, I want him in more. I was like, who are who is this man? I love him as the captain. He's incredible. You know, I was watching this and I was like, I was getting, I was thinking, why does this feel so familiar to me? And then I realized this 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 crew is giving me like Josh Joss Whedon Firefly crew vibes, where it's just oh. like that sort of like ragtag group of you know. With, with the captain and his uh, his first mate, played by Kevin J. O'Connor. <gasps> Connor. Kevin J. O'Connor. He's so good <laughs> just, in this movie. He is. He's so good in this film. But it just it was giving me that sort of like ragtag kind of group that mm-hmm. Joss Whedon had like mined in in a bunch of his his stuff. And I'm just it makes me sad that this movie flopped. There's a moment where one of the characters runs into a safe and yells money and is immediately axed <laughs> in the head. And I was like, this is an yes. incredible film. Like it's, it's got a sense of humor. Like it knows mm-hmm. exactly what it is. So it like has some really good action moments, good tension, good gore, but it also has good comedy um, and trying to not take itself so seriously. I mean, it might not always land, but like I appreciated it. I was like, this is a good action horror comedy kind of like combination. You know, some of it was was a little bit silly rewatching it because it definitely feels like an aliens ripoff where, you know, a group of people arrive. The bodies are, are mysteriously missing. They're like, where did everyone go? They can't find them. It's like everyone disappeared. They have these guns that... I, I feel like are making sounds that like you'd go to laser tag and be like, like that's the kind of guns they're using. So there's like a silly vibe to it that I just, I think kind of verges on camp in, in the best way. Yes, yes, yes. 
camp. That's a good way to think about it. I didn't think about it as camp. I also love when there's a when there's a shot of people running over like planks and they're exploding behind them, sort of like in tremors. And we get that shot in this movie. I'm like, I'm here for it. It's such a small niche thing, but I'm like, yes, give me more of that. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't this. And I'm glad for that. I guess I thought it was going to be some like very serious, like kind of funny because it's so serious kind of movie, but nope. No, I was wrong. And that's why I was so upset that we didn't get a sequel because the ending, you know, they finally get off the ship and they're on the island and then there's like this giant roar and I'm like, what's going to happen next? 17 year old me thought, turns out nothing. Nothing. Because no one went to go see this movie, unlike me, that I think I saw it twice in the movie theaters. Really? <laughs> I think I did. Yeah. This was my shit. <laughs> Quadricore and creature features. Set design so lush, though. Like, some of the shots of oh, the ocean liner. I love me a good cruise ship horror movie. I want oh, more. yeah. I want more of them. I hate cruise ships. I've never even been on a cruise, but cruise ships. Me neither. No, thank you. I'm good. I don't need it. Um, and I love, I love claustrophobic horror and, like, what you can do, mm-hmm. like, in a, like, a hallway space. Like, there's a scene when Wes Judy and Kevin J. O'Connor are in this, like, hallway scene. And it's, like such a small space but they do so much with like water and grenades Mm -hmm. and getting chased (laughs) and it's just it's really creative and how it uses these spaces to make it terrifying like i just always Mm -hmm. appreciate that a lot with creation of claustrophobia and you know cg monster not terrible i mean it definitely feels aged today but not terrible right yeah the cgi is not amazing but i've i've seen worse in 2021 (laughs) yeah same same so i'm glad you enjoyed it i love this movie so much i know i'm also glad i enjoyed it also famke jansen give her more work please queen of late 90s early 2000s weird horror movies she deserves more quintessential femme fatale like she just I want her. I want a prequel origin story about how she got on the cruise ship and how, Ooh. like, that's what I want. Yeah, I want that. that. Incre- I want that a lot. So there we go. Greenlit. Deep rising. Bring her back. Yeah. Bring her back Bring to play her, her younger self. I don't care. <laughs> hey, they're doing it with Orphan. So. Exactly. Exactly. See, perfect. <laughs> so that is this week's little cuts. Terry, who are we talking to on Monday? Okay, so on Monday, we are sitting down with horror journalist and author Nat Bremer to discuss his book on the Puppet Master franchise, which is coming out um, either the end of September or beginning of October. I'm not 100% sure, Um, but coming out soon, you can pre-order it everywhere. Um, But we're talking to him about that and also how Ernest Scared Stupid, out of all the horror movies that he saw growing up, weirdly terrified him. And boy, that movie... It's something. It sure is. Uh, and if you get... know nothing about Ernest, we will dig into that. We will talk about him and Vern. We will talk about all of that kind of stuff. So we will get you up to speed. Yeah, I knew nothing. <laughs> so we'll learn together. Join me on this journey. <laughs> I guess. Uh, okay. And so what are we doing for next week's Little Cuts, Mary Beth? Oh, my God. Uh, We're doing it found footage style with the yeah. I'm so excited. I love this movie. And it takes place in Maryland, where I live. 
we're a small state and take what I can get. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, I am very excited to watch this 2012 found footage movie. It should be pretty, it's pretty easy to find out there. So if you want to yeah. watch it before we cover it, please do. It's a great found footage and it's gory. So mm-hmm. I remember I haven't seen it since it first came out, but I remember really, really digging it. So I'm, I'm excited to revisit it. Yeah, me too. Um, but so listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Did you watch a film or played a game that we watched or played this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for movies of us for us to cover? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to view, review, rate, blah. And please <laughs> don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>